0: Thank <laughs> Ticket, stubs, and cassette tapes. I am Andy, and I am your host. Alright, today we're doing something a little different than we've done before. Um, So, I may have mentioned in the past about recording over movies, stuff like that, so that I can watch along uh, with you guys, if you want that option. Well... One of my favorite movies in the world, my favorite horror movie of all time is John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. I think it is a, a masterpiece of horror. I think that um, it set the tone for a lot of what you saw in the eighties um, specifically with the uh, the Slasher franchise. I, I really felt like you know this movie, was not the only one, but I really f- felt like it had a huge impact on that era of horror movies and how people viewed them, how people wanted to go out and see them. Um, you know, this movie scared a lot of people, and it's a movie that's very much of its time. Um, you know, the idea of a movie today about a guy in a mask with a knife chasing after you know teenage girls Uh, doesn't strike fear in people the same way it did back then. You have to think this is pre-internet, pre-cell phone. You know, a teenage girl babysitting down the street by herself with no adults around, um, you know, being completely vulnerable to something like this happening. um, It was a really scary thing. And I think that's why it has, one reason why it had such an impact when it came out is that it, it's almost sort of an everyman, if you will, type story, uh, where you know there's all there's always times where any of us can be vulnerable, and so it's sort of that kind of horror movie. Um, I'm doing this now because I want to review. Uh, specifically Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills, uh, before October because Halloween ends, the last movie of the franchise is coming out. Now, I'm also a fan of some of the other sequels, the ones that were retconned. I like Halloween 2. I like Halloween 4. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of 5, not a big fan of 6, H20, or Resurrection. I'm just not a big fan of those, um... You know, some of those movies I've only seen the one time and it was, you know, well, I've probably seen them all in bits and pieces more than once growing up, but, uh, as far as actually just sitting down and watching them beginning to end one time for some of those, um, I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie's, uh, uh, reboot movies. Um, I thought the first one had potential. We may talk about that one later. Um the second one I didn't like at all. Um, so, you know, as far as the newer sequels, I'm not really going to get into them right now. I'll, I'll save those for, for when I get to those, uh, Halloween 2018 and kills. But, um, this is going to be a me watching and, um, commenting, you know, a little commentary on the original John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. I've seen this movie a thousand times. Um, Love this movie. Watch it every year around October. Of course, AMC has the Fear Fest. They do every October, every Halloween. And uh, the this movie is a big part of that. So, um, you know, I know it's July right now. We're not close to Halloween just yet. But um, this is my way of leading into uh, October, uh, leading toward October and the release of Halloween ends, which I'm looking forward to seeing and reviewing. All right. So... Here's how it's going to work. I've got the movie pulled up. I've got the timestamp on the movie at 0.00. I will tell you when I hit play, so that if you want to watch the movie along, you can click play at the same time, and that way we'll be in sync or somewhat in sync. I should tell you, as far as versions of this movie, I'm watching uh, the version that is on shutter. It, for those of you don't know what shutter is. Um, it's, it's an app, uh, a horror movie. It's kind of like Netflix for horror movies. Um, a lot of good stuff on there. I'm a really big fan of the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs. I used to watch monster vision growing up. Um, and there's a lot of really good horror movies on there. There's a lot of good original content that shutter makes exclusively. It's an AMC owned, uh, app streaming service i believe so uh if you, if you're not subscribed you should be but i'm watching the version that's on there i'm not sure if it's different from any blu-ray or dvd or vhs copy whatever you have um but i just want to give you a heads up in case you know you might have a blu-ray that has some added scenes extra footage uh, whatever, I don't know if John Carpenter ever came out with a director's cut or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, so that's just a heads up. Um, so anyway, I'll tell you when I click play, you can click play to watch along if you'd like. Uh, if not, if you just want to listen while you're driving or working, whatever, you want to listen to my commentary, that's cool too. Uh, but I'm going to start at 0, zero and I'm going to play till the end of the movie and not pause again. So I'm pulling the movie up now. Um and I have to make sure I have my volume calibrated here so that it's not just booming. Let's see. Alright, so I'm gonna click play in three, two, one. Alright. Alright, so we got the movie playing now. Turn the volume down so we don't get Sort of copyright strike here. Alright, so now I'm seeing the pumpkin come up. Donald Pleasant's in. John Carpenter's Halloween. What an iconic opening. I I, I just love the opening. I'm really glad that the, uh, the newer sequels have... Stuck to this this classic opening as well. Introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. Nancy Loomis also plays in um, um, Halloween Three, as well. Which Halloween Three is a movie I really like. It's not uh, obviously canon. It's not it has nothing to do with the Michael Myers story, but. Um, big fan of that movie. Kind of a cult classic. Yeah, I love the zoom in of the pumpkin. It's cool. This is just iconic. And this, uh, you know, the obviously the John Carpenter theme is just like the icing on the cake of this whole movie. I want to say I read where he initially showed people a cut of the movie without the music and it just did not have anywhere near the same impact on the people watching the movie um, as it did when he showed you know, people a, a cut with the music, which is, it, it says a lot. It says a lot about him and his ability. Haddonfield, Illinois, fictional town. I think Haddonfield's taken from... Uh, a town in New Jersey. Good opening shot. I love, I miss lighting like this. It seems like movies, you know, more, um, modern movies don't have, you know, the kind of lighting that that this really has where it's just, it's, it's really dark and it's, you know, a little bit of the blue lighting. You just got the light from the, the small porch lights and the, the pumpkins, the jack-o'-lanterns. Of course we got, Michael's sister here, the infamous sister. Um, this is a great one-shot opening to a movie here. You know, it's kind of a legendary opening shot. And of course, we got more of the score kicking in. Again, I, I just love how dark it is, you know. It it, it just seems like movies today don't... They never allow the, the, the scenery to be this dark. And I know that a lot of people might like that they light it a little more. But I personally kind of like it. Because it's, it's a little more realistic to me. Um, of course, it is a little... Odd now that I think about it, that there's absolutely no lights on in this house and there's people home. But, you know, that's the way, uh, you know, it's the way it used to be. You know, nowadays it seems like we just leave every light on in the house. This guy is just totally clueless. The kid with an eye standing right there just walks right by him. They did a really good job of uh, reproducing this house and. and uh, in uh, Halloween kills, a modern version and a uh, and a 1978 version did did a, a fantastic job. Here's the the clown mask. It's a pretty uh slick little camera trick there to get the mask over the camera. And, of course, this is the whole, you know, the whole crux of the movie, right? We don't know why Michael's doing this. We don't know what made him snap, you know, or, you know, if he did snap, if he just, you know, sort of turned into a different human being one day. Um, and that's kind of the, to me, that's the draw of this movie is just not the not knowing. You know, and of course, the uh. I think the idea here is for you to be like, what in the world could this kid look like and like look like? And then the dad risk, uh, rips the mask off, and it's just you know a normal little kid, you know. And that's like I said, that's a big part of the draw to the movie is just why, you know. Smiths Grove, Illinois. Here we're gonna get some Donald Pleasants playing the part of Dr. Loomis, October 30th. So now we jumped ahead to 1978. And boy, you know, Donald Pleasance is just a phenomenal actor. He, he really knocks this role out of the park. He really does a good job of, you know, hyping up. Michael Myers and we don't have to see Michael Myers a whole lot because of the dialogue that Dr. Loomis gives really building up that character and and letting, you know, sort of, sort of the, you know, the nature of the character and the, the evil. And I really like that. I, I like the, I like not having to show us everything, letting him say things that are, you know, Sort of big statements, but they really leave a light to our imagination. And I love that. A lot of the lines he has in this movie. Yeah, I like that a lot. Referring to, to Michael as an it. I mean, you don't even... He doesn't even, you know, think of Michael Myers as a human being after working with him for so long. You know, this is Dr. Loomis is just the guy trying to contain the monster. He's not trying to fix the monster. He's just trying to keep the monster contained. And that's a that's a really really good uh you know, a really good take on, uh, the character, a really good strong point. And, and, and the way that he acts like his mind is totally made up. He, you know, there's no room for any discussion there. He's just saying, you know, no, we have to keep him drugged when we take him out and, Again, I love how dark it is here. The rain, it's good, good environment. I, I like that you don't see a whole lot. Of course, Nurse Marion just doing what anybody would do, stomping right on the throttle of a car when you're being attacked. Not really sure why she did that, but here we have the infamous wrench attached to the hand that we can totally see, breaking that glass, and Michael jumping into the car. This is great line delivery by Donald Pleasance, right here. He's gone from here. The evil is gone. I love that. It's good. Good shot here. I love the fall atmosphere, even though this is, I believe, Pasadena, California. So those leaves are just being thrown out by the production crew and picked back up and re thrown out in other places. It's pretty creative. Jamie Lee Curtis in her first role. Yeah, they, I I love the atmosphere here. Very small town feel. Um and that helps, again, I think it adds a lot to the character, the personality of the movie. You know, just, it's like I said, it's sort of an everyman kind of story. Um, and the, the atmosphere here, it's a slow burn. Um, here we have Tommy Doyle, played by Brian Andrews. Again, the music, which you're going to hear me talk about a lot, it's just completely adds so much to the movie and to just the vibe of the movie. You know, you just can't, you really can't even think about this movie without the music. The Myers House, which for those of you who don't know, uh, has been since moved, it still exists. But it's been moved from this location, I think, to just right down the street from this location so it's not far. You can go visit it to this day. First shot of Michael. Of course, we can't really see him. Again, I like that. Lonnie Lamb. Who knew? Who knew that guy would come back and play? such a big part in sequels 40 years down the road but he does and I failed to mention that uh, Michael Myers here being portrayed by Nick Castle Nick still uh, part of the Halloween franchise he made a an appearance in uh, Halloween 2018 as Michael Myers in a one shot Yeah, the whole uh, not being able to drive a car thing. Again, I like the mystery of just not knowing really how he learned. Um, You know, maybe as a child he just paid attention to what his parents did to drive a car. I don't know. Um, I don't love the explanation that uh, you know Halloween Six gives, which is you know is a different story for a different time. I might review the other sequels at some point in time. I'm not sure. Now, of course, you know, in this scene, the teacher's giving a lecture on fate, you know, and sort of ties in with the the whole theme of the movie, which is fate and, you know, how that applies to the character of Loy. That's such a good shot of Michael standing behind the car, staring into the classroom and she looks back out there and he's gone and you're thinking well this has to be i mean i guess he could have gotten in the car you know really quickly and drove off and maybe that's what he did i don't know but i love the whole is he supernatural? is he not and i like that they don't explain it and i and i really hope that in halloween ends they don't try to explain it anymore i i'm not a big fan of when the sequels try to do that you know just let it be a mystery I really like the whole theme of the boogeyman too, and how they tie that into this movie. You know, again, it sort of plays into that. uh, This is a great, great little cut here where Michael, you know, sort of grabs the kid and the theme starts playing and now he's following Tommy. And that's sort of the thing again, that we really like about Michael, right? Is he's just random. It's not, you know, He's just sort of following after people, not really, probably not really thinking anything about it. You know, although he did see Tommy with Lori earlier in the movie when they were at the Myers house. following Tommy here you think Tommy would notice a car just driving right along beside him with a dude in a white mask watching him I feel like any kid would notice that for the most part And I really like how, you know, Dr. Loomis is, I mean, he's just so sure. He knows, he knows where Michael's going. Didn't even question it. He could, I mean, you know, that guy could have jumped in the car and drove anywhere in the world, but he knows he's going back home. Of course, here we're going to get the aftermath of, Michael's first adult kill, Uh, the first kill he has as an adult. This is obviously where he got the, the coveralls. You got this guy who everybody says looks like Freddie Mercury. Totally, totally. This character kind of annoys me, to be honest with you. (laughs) I've probably just seen the movie too many times. PJ Souls, which, uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to meet a couple times at at some uh, meet and grease, but I, I never get to see him to go. There's one coming up uh, with Joe Bob Briggs that I mentioned. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's Jamboree or something like that that she's going to be a part of. I wish I could go. Annie and Linda, obviously, play a big part into uh, into this movie and this franchise. I love the indication that he heard that. Guy was like 50 yards down the road when she said that. It's almost kind of funny too. You think Michael Michael Myers, this emotionless character, sort of gets ticked off when somebody yells something at him. I think deborah hill uh worked you know on writing the writing the dialogue for the for the teenage girls because she wasn't far removed from being a young girl herself when this was being made of course she was the uh girlfriend of john carpenter at the time she um uh, in the opening shot when michael's a child and you see his hand pull the knife out of the drawer that's her hand uh at least so they say so a little fun fact for you there um but she does a pretty good job i feel like these girls are kind of you know smart of course the iconic michael standing behind the bush shot here Yeah, and again, this just plays into the supernatural thing. Um, You know, where did he go? How did he get away that quickly? You know, it's just, I like little things like that. I like to imagine that Annie started walking towards the bushes and would just dead sprinted to the back there so they couldn't see him. We're about to get a little sheriff bracket, of course, Annie's father. Okay, here the line was not cheesy. And Halloween Kills, it was a little cheesy. But, you know, I can look past it. And I like, too, how when you know, Lori bumps into him. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's jump scarish, but compared to something like modern day, there would have been like a big drum flashbang sound, you know, in today's world. But, you know, he, you know, when it just happened there, it wasn't, they didn't play it up that much. They just kind of let it happen naturally. And I kind of like that. I appreciate that. I, I don't, like when the newer movies do that. just It gets kind of annoying more than anything. Lori's room. I believe you can see that hat that's uh, hanging up there in the corner. I believe you can see that in Halloween 2018. You know, she sees Michael standing behind the clothesline and then she doesn't look away and he's not there and then that's cut which really... A lot of people point to that as like the supernatural thing, which again, I like that we don't address it. I like that it's just sort of left there up to your determination. I think the the movie obviously points to there's a supernatural element to Michael. But again, I just don't like having it fully explained. I like it just being there. And again I like I love the lighting inside the house, outside the house whatever. You know a lot of modern horror movies have this tendency to put this like gray filter over everything and make everything look darker than it really is. I really love just the natural lighting back back in the day, the 70s and 80s. I don't like when you filter in all that that gray light and you know even in something like Breaking Bad which is obviously is a fantastic show and I love Breaking Bad, but I don't love the filters over everything. You know, sometimes I just like natural lighting and letting things be natural. And, you know, you don't have to make an effort in the cinematography to make everything look dark and letting you know you're in a horror movie setting. Sometimes you just let, like this right here with her walking down the street with a pumpkin in her arms and the leaves falling great fall atmosphere for me personally October is my favorite month out of the year I love fall uh, for more than just you know Halloween and horror movies I love you know I'm a big football fan so obviously the fall is football season October is when uh, a lot of really interesting things are happening in college football in the NFL so I love the fall atmosphere so maybe that's me being a little Bias towards it but I it's just always my favorite setting in a movie is the, the fall atmosphere and my favorite setting in real life also great weather you can wear a light jacket you can wear a t-shirt you know you're not going to walk outside and start sweating but you're also not going to freeze to death and I live in the south so you know being out of the heat but also not being cold is a big plus. You don't get many months like that out of the year. But October usually nails it pretty well. Got the graveyard scene here. The guy's going to tell a story with the that he's not going to finish that just drives us all nuts because we want to hear the end to that story. This is a pretty creepy guy. And it's interesting that he says 15 years ago, because that's when Michael killed Judith, his sister. So I don't know. Could it be tied together? Who knows? Of course, the headstone missing is going to be a little dark trick by Michael used later in the movie. I hope those those of you that are watching along, I hope that you have seen this movie before because if you haven't, I'm ruining it for you by talking over certain things. If you haven't seen John Carpenter's Halloween, you need to stop this and go watch it without me commenting on it. Little Blue Oyster Cult here. I always love this inclusion into the movie. It's a great song. Obviously, uh popularized by them, but then later popularized by Saturday Night Live and uh, the great Will Ferrell, Christopher Walken, more Cowbell, love it. You know, I always love (laughs) this part where she uh, freaks out because her dad's coming. They're smoking in the car. She has the option to just keep driving. She doesn't have to pull right up here and stop. I don't know why she is freaking out. I mean, I, I honestly think they could have drove right past. He wouldn't have even seen them. I love how red the interior of this car is. I mean my gosh, that is so much red. Everything is red. Something else the uh stuff back then had over modern stuff. We're not as creative with our with our automobiles. The interiors anyway. Of Michael driving in the background there. You know, I'm not, it doesn't blow my mind that he can drive a car. It does, it is a little uh, funny that he knows how to obey all street rules, stop signs, four ways, things like that, stoplights, yielding. I mean, if the guy drove that far without getting pulled over by a police officer, he obviously did a decent enough job. That's kind of impressive for somebody who's been in a mental institution since he was, what, nine years old? Six-year-old? Sorry, six-years-old. Ben Tramer. Who does not show up in this movie, but he does uh, make an appearance in Halloween Two. the... uh the uh, sequel that has been retconned. Obviously, he's in a Michael Myers mask and gets uh, hit by a car, killed, burned up. We've got the cut tonight here. Again, I love the lighting. I love that you can't see a whole lot. You know, they're really allowing the lighting of the environment to to be the only light visible instead of adding a whole bunch of extra lights. Of course, nowadays you'd have probably... I mean, there are some street lights I see in the distance. I think that's what that is, but you'd probably have more nowadays. feels like every neighborhood's a little more lit than this, but... I really I really just love how dark it is. only thing is, where are these people going? You know, it's Halloween night. I don't know what Halloween night of 1978 was, if it was a weekend or a weeknight. But all these parents are going somewhere. Where could they be going? I mean, their kids are supposed to be trick-or-treating tonight. You would think the parents wouldn't plan anything. But I digress. I guess they needed some explanation for the babysitter's. I really love the this whole thing with Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis uh, going back into the Myers house and a lot of their dialogue here, the music. I mean, it's just classic, classic John Carpenter. This is the, uh, the dog that we don't see, but we do see in uh, Halloween Kills when they reproduce the setting and uh, do a flashback sequence. It's Kind of a neat little Easter egg in the, the new movie. This isn't a man. Love that line, by the way. I'm assuming Loomis has been to this house before. I mean, he knows you know what he's talking about here. Uh, you know, he obviously knows this. I'm I'm assuming he's been here before. I mean, he may not may not be a uh, little jump scare there for you. You got to love the whole, I don't know, I'm going to let you listen to this dialogue. Love it. I love that, that dialogue and delivery. Yeah, you know, this I met this six year old child with the blackest eyes, emotionless pale face. And I realized it it was purely and simply evil. I, I and it's great. And it could have been super cheesy, but the way he delivers it you know, he's just so sincere with it and, and that really really builds dr loomis up as one of the the better horror movie characters of all time and a character that you didn't have to have for this story and that's what makes it that much more interesting you could have just had michael breaking you know this guy breaking out of a mental institution and coming and killing some teenagers but i love this whole extra narrative that you add to it with the doctor This dog knows what's up. So everybody knows, uh, Lindsay Wallace here, obviously, um, uh, played by, I believe, Kylie Richards, who reprises her role in Halloween Kills, and I believe Halloween Ends. It's just a pretty interesting tidbit. um, so everybody knows about, you know, the Michael Myers mask, and you know the fact that it's a Captain Kirk mask that's that was repurposed and spray painted white and had eyebrows and everything ripped off of it. Um, you know, it is—it's a creepy, emotionless mask. I really love in this movie, and again, I know I'm sort of harping on this, but I do love. The way it looks in the light, the blue lighting, I mean, it really adds so much to that mask, which is, again, already a pretty creepy mask to begin with. It's way more effective, I think, than some, you know, monster mask, clown mask, something like that. It's just this blank, emotionless mask. It's its basically the face of Michael Myers, you know, it, We've seen his real face. We see his real face in this movie, but everybody considers that mask to be the actual face of Michael Myers. And the way that, you know, the light reflects off that, that white paint on the mask. It's really well done. I don't know if they anticipated that while shooting the film. Really put much thought into that, but it worked so well. Like right here, even from the back, you only see a little bit of the mask, but the way the light bounces off of it. Lindsay Wallace watching, I believe it's The Thing. They watch it at some point, which of course, John Carpenter, uh, it does a remake of The Thing in 1982 with Kurt Russell. Great movie. Another great John Carpenter classic. Now I don't I know we don't love to see mistreatment of animals in movies but you got to admit this dog was kind of asking for it Here we go Uh this may be the thing I'm not sure Yeah, it is. The thing I'm not really sure what year the original came out. I haven't seen. It. I need to watch it. I do like the old classic monster movies. You know, a lot of them got remade um, in the '70s and '80s, but it's kind of cool to go back and watch the classics, get a feel for the the source material for a lot of this. A lot of this kind of stuff, you know, these people. Who made a lot of these movies from the 70s and 80s that I love. Grew up on some of those old classic classic monster movies. I know, you know, Bella Lugosi was big. You know, had a big impact on a lot of uh, horror filmmakers. The character of Tommy Doyle obviously uh, makes a return in Halloween Kills, which is kind of neat. Um, my opinion on that, I'll I'll give when I do Halloween Kills. Of course, then uh, this movie is played by Brian Andrews. Halloween Kills played by Anthony Michael Hall that's a great shot of Michael that you just saw behind that door And the only thing is, there's clearly a lock on the inside of that door. So how did the door lock from the outside? I don't know if I've ever seen a door with locks on both sides. Of course, you see Michael there looking from the back window. Another good shot. The voice of, uh... John Carpenter here, that you hear on the phone. A little fun fact for you. Yeah, there's clearly no lock on the outside of that door. It is truly a different time that we live in nowadays compared to back then. Girls were glued, well, I mean, I guess people in general were glued to uh, their phones when they were at home, the house phones, waiting on friends to call, and now everybody's glued to uh, their cell phones for many other reasons besides people calling. You know, these babysitters, I mean, Lori's good, but like Annie, for instance, I mean, she's had everything else in the world on her mind other than just babysitting. She's just trying to dump this kid off with the first person that'll take her. First chance she gets. I love that Michael was just waiting there. I mean, this girl's just walking around in the neighborhood with no pants on. In my neighborhood, even late at night, you'd probably get arrested for that sort of thing. But I digress. And again, you know, I know it sounds like I'm harping. I love, again, how natural the lighting is. It's dark in some rooms as they're walking through. They don't add, you know, filter in all this extra light to help light the scene. They just kind of let it be natural. And maybe that was just by circumstance. Maybe that was just the only way they could do it. But I, there's just something about that I miss in modern movies. I feel like they they the way they light stuff is never as good. Although the newer Halloween movies, I think do a, a pretty decent job of that. We're about to witness Annie get it. You know, this is uh like I said, a slow burn kind of movie, but it really is it's kind of a quick movie at the same time. I mean in under an hour most everything's happening. A lot some of the main characters are already dead. You know, the 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 teenage girls, Lori's friends are already dead. In under an hour now, you set all this other stuff up. And you had like the 1963 stuff go on and still in under an hour, we're this far into the plot. Of course, the door just opened right up for her there. Should have known something was up with that. I mean, Michael, he waited this one out a while. This is a great shot of the masks, too, here. It's just a great shot through the driver's side window, there, through the glass. I like the, it's almost like a handheld cam here. They do it through uh, some of the movie. A little bit of the shaky cam almost. It's pretty risky by Michael to just do that in front of the whole neighborhood there. Of course, I know it's nighttime and there's not many people out on the streets, but this kid saw it at least. It's so funny to look at Lori like right now versus like the Lori you have in like Halloween 2018, 40 years later. (laughs) The the difference in between the person. Very uh, innocent at this point. Very funny little moment here with Lonnie and Dr. Lemus. (laughs) Yeah, Dr. Lemus, you can tell even by the smile. And he got a, a laugh out of that. Little jump scare here, but again I love that they don't add anything to it. It's just natural. The way the hand come up on his shoulder. It's it's enough to make you jump a little bit, but it's not they don't annoy you with any extra added sound effects. Love the dialogue, yeah. 15 years staring at the wall, not looking at the wall, seeing past the wall, looking for this not inhumanly patient. I mean, that's just... Again, the way he builds up the character of Michael Myers, you don't even have to see a lot of Michael or what he does to get the... The threat to get the 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 whole reality of the threat that's that's facing the town. It's just Doctor Loomis's dialogue and the way that he the way that he gives it. I mean, it's it's John Carpenter. It's just it's brilliant writing. One of the huge reasons why this movie is a classic. I also love how all these people just blame Doctor Loomis as though. This is his fault. I mean, number one, the guy's just his doctor. He's not in charge of keeping him locked up. Number two, he's also not the reason why Michael is you know psychopath killer. Bob here, who, of course, is going to get the... Uh, One of the most, I would say, well-known deaths in all of slasher movie history. You know, everybody knows the whole being picked up, impaled to the wall death here coming up pretty soon. With a kitchen knife, no less. Totally. I don't know how many times she says totally in this movie, but it's about 30 times too many. It's a, cool, it's a cool shot panning out over Michael's shoulder the way that set up is pretty cool jack-o'-lantern there's no shortage of jack-o'-lanterns in this movie Say how old Lori is in this movie. I don't know if they do. I mean, I know she's a teenager, but she's a pretty mature teenager. Well, as far as her character, I don't know how old she was in real life. She may have been in her early 20s, I'm sure. Totally. pj souls uh i mentioned her earlier another great movie she's in is uh stripes for those of you are who are fans of that movie if you know me you know i'm a big bill murray harold Ramos fan so it's a great movie john candy as well she plays um The love interest of uh, Bill Murray in that movie. It's two totally different kinds of movies to be in, but two classics. What a career for her! I don't know if she was in a whole lot more, but uh, many more movies. But you know, if you're two movies that you're known for, Halloween and Stripes, that's pretty. It's a pretty great career, if you ask me. Again like the the whole jack lantern on the side table there. I mean is that a candle in there? Is that a a flame? Seems a little dangerous, but I don't know that I'd just keep a jack lantern on my side table. It seems a little odd. The the shadow of Michael passing over the bed. It's a good shot. There's no telling how many... You know... How many creative decisions this movie made... That impacted... You know how a lot of other scenes in horror movies were made. John Carpenter's just a genius as far as I'm concerned. And he just really, really did a good job of working with what he had, but I don't know that he knew at the same time what he was creating. And that's you know, that's pretty incredible. And it, it it's a lot like Jaws and Steve Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. I mean he did you know, he had to create ways to workaround problems they were having on set with like the shark not working you know and then you don't see the shark for you know such a long time in the movie but it really works to the movie's credit you know it's the theater of the mind aspect uh, similar to what this movie's got going on with michael and uh, right here was coming up's one of the more famous slasher kills of all time that i mentioned Bob, the character of Bob. I like that you can hear Michael's breathing there. Now, that jump scare had a little sound effect added to it. But again, they don't cheat you. They don't do it when Michael's not there. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the, or excuse me, the strongest kitchen knife known to man. Of course, the infamous Nick Castle turning his head, just to add to the creepy factor there. And now we have the infamous uh, sheet, ghost sheet, Michael Myers disguised with the glasses. Can just imagine watching this in theaters in nineteen seventy-eight. What the crowd reaction was like at this point. You know, we we have that a lot nowadays with the the crowd reaction stuff. It'd be cool to. We could go back and find some footage of crowd reactions to. You know, some of these older classic films like this. Just to see what the initial reaction was like, right? It's been around so long that it's just ingrained in our mind at this point. But to go back and see it when it was new. Especially a movie like this that had such a big impact on stuff after it. I like the way she pulls the sheet off of him as she goes down. I don't know if that was intentional, but it, it it's a cool shot. I, like right here, it's one of the best shots of the film, the way that blue light hits the mask with him picking up the phone. Love that. And one thing, you know, I've mentioned the score in this movie, obviously. I love how when they use it and when they don't use it and that it's not constantly going. And, like, right now you're just giving some of the some of the night sound effects, the crickets chirping and things like that. And now you kick in with the classic Carpenter score when he sees, when Dr. Loomis sees the car. Picking and choosing your moments, that's, you know... That's just, it's super effective when you you utilize it that way, and again, John Carpenter's, you know, just such a master of this. Oh, if Flory would have known what was good for her. She would have just stayed here. Just stayed at the house. Man, the score just so good. I mean the the shots here again, not getting in a hurry, just letting it be a slow burn, a bit of a slow build up. Got the Halloween fall night atmosphere, the score, the lighting. I mean, I, I know I've harped on those same points, but. It's just one... It's just... This film is so iconic for a lot of these reasons. And... You know, I think... It's important to point that stuff out because it's just... Something this this movie... is just so well known for. You know, it's not just about Michael Myers. It's about... You know, the the whole environment of the movie and, you know, the way that the character... You know, Michael is portrayed... In terms of environment setting, you know, Michael Myers walking down the street in the middle of the day doing the things he's doing, you know, right now at night doesn't have the same impact, you know, you know, a, a guy in a mask and coveralls doing this in mid July in the middle of the day in a big city. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't have the same impact. A lot of it has to do with the setting, the environment, the lighting, the score, you know, there's just so much more that play, that plays into it rather than just a guy in, a, in a, a random mask, you know. It's just all of it put together. It's just what makes this story in this movie so iconic. And it's one of the big reasons why I don't like... Uh, well, one of the many reasons why I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween H2O, the different setting, and I just love Haddonfield and the fall Had- Haddonfield setting. Even some of the not so good movies do a pretty good job of that setting. I think, like Halloween 6, I want to say, probably, I think it does a good job of the setting, even though. I don't think they really nail it story wise. I think they really don't nail it story wise. But the setting's pretty good. I think some of, um, like the first uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween does a pretty good job with the fall setting. And I and maybe even the second movie. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Or, uh, either either one of those movies, but. Um, I do recall Rob Zombie's first Halloween doing a pretty decent job with the fall setting. I mean, how many teenage girls would would go up these stairs? They would open the door, realize they would shout a few times, realize nobody's there, and bounce pretty quickly. Got to give Lori a lot of credit. She's got guts. I'll tell her that. I'll let. I'll tell you that. Me personally, when I walked in the room and saw this, I would think, especially with the kind of fringe that we've already established she's got in Annie and Linda, I would be almost 100% sure this was some sort of elaborate prank set up to get me, but Lori goes straight to fear. Love the the cross-eyed Linda here. This is just, this shot coming up, I mean, maybe the most iconic shot of the movie, with Michael slowly appearing out of the dark, oh man, that's so good, the mask slowly coming out, never understood why he went for the shoulder stab here, I mean, you had a clear kill shot, man, come on. And now we sort of lead into an interesting topic here, which is these final girls or just people in general trying to get out of, get away from a killer. You know, this movie, I think, started a lot of tropes (laughs) in terms of, like this right here with her trying to get out the door. I mean, why would the door be locked from that? Oh, uh, excuse me. He lo- he he put a ra- a rake up against it I see now. I don't know why I've never noticed that. Oh yeah, I have noticed it. I'm just forgotten. It's been a minute since I've seen this movie. It's so easy to say what you would do in a situation when you haven't been in that situation. But for me, I can tell you right now, I'm dead sprinting down that road and I ain't looking back. She She's from this town, so she knows she knows which direction the actual town is. And so if that's me, I'm dead sprinting towards wherever that is and I'm not looking back. And I tell you right now, I probably can't run a very fast mile time, but my mile time in this situation would rival that of, of Olympic athletes. Fight or flight kicks in, adrenaline. I'm gone. And how did you know? And that's this is another. I'm not trying to nitpick this movie. I'm not. It's just. In horror movies, there's always little faults that you can look at and sort of laugh at. How did this door lock when she left? Those kids were still asleep. They didn't come downstairs after she left and locked that door. And you gotta love it. Everybody just screaming at Tommy right now. Just taking his sweet time. Hmm. Sew a needle through the neck. That's rough. Good shot here. I like how it's sort of half lit, half dark. Again, we're sort of coming into some of those horror movie tropes. She's about to just throw the knife down, and everybody's like, "No, why would you why would you just throw down the weapon That knife in his hand looks pretty small, but that knife in her hand looks gigantic. I don't know if they use the same knife throughout filming, but a great little sequence here walking down the street with the just looking for michael with the, again with the wind blowing the, the leaves coming down again it's just a slow burn i mean it's not nothing's happening super fast but i kind of like that i appreciate that you know you don't have to try to pack a lot in which is something again that a lot of uh, modern horror movies I feel like don't get right. I feel like they try to pack way too much in. You know, horror movies have never really gotten to the point where they're like three hours long, like the Marvel movies or anything like that, but it feels like a lot of them try to pack, pack a lot of stuff in to 90-minute movies. See, like at this point, if I'm her, if I'm a girl, and this is a man... And you probably feel like you're overpowered. Like I'm thinking I'm screwed. I give her credit for... uh, Continuing to fight here. I just... My first thought would would not have been to get in that closet. I'm probably jumping off that balcony. About to get another sort of iconic little scene here with the michael breaking into the closet and the light i love how the the light bulb flickers it's a, it's about to flicker when he breaks in it's pretty cool and i don't think this is uh nick castle doing this part i forget who's doing this part that's michael Tommy Lee Wallace, maybe Co anger through the eye. It's rough. And then, obviously, Lori's going to stab him. And then we're going to get another dropping the knife scene that's going to make everybody roll their eyes a little bit. Nowadays, you have to remember this is a different time. These tropes are now tropes because of movies like this. You can't help but think uh, a guy like Michael nowadays wouldn't be able to pull it off because we we now know so many of these tropes that, again, I mean, she just comes out and throws that knife away. But you have to think that now somebody's going to come out and just stab him a hundred more times to try to make sure he's dead. So maybe movies like this, maybe they helped, you know, slow down some psychopaths who tried some stuff like that was portrayed in this movie because people now see what what to do and what not to do. It's fiction, but you never know. And these kids are relatively pretty calm considering what's happening. Love this shot, love sitting up the sitting up and looking over It's very cold and calculated moves by Michael. It's what really feeds into that is a human or supernatural or a mixture of both. Now we're about to get the uh The infamous Michael's mask coming off. We're going to see a little bit of his face. Again, not Nick Castle. Um, I can't remember the, the guy's name. Who plays the maskless Michael here. He still does conventions and stuff. Horror conventions. I've seen him around. Tony Moran, that's it, Tony Moran. Yeah. Such great dialogue. It was the bookie man. Yes. As a matter of fact, it was, you know, those, those characters really meeting for the first time and that's the the only dialogue we get between them. And then as he looks over, the Halloween score kicks in. Michael's not there anymore. Um, and then we're now we're about to pan to shots, different shots from the movie the different locations we see Michael at throughout the movie. And you're going to hear his breathing over it. It it's just really is the perfect ending to this movie. Yeah, I mean, it really is. But, you know, Dr. Loomis, the way he's looking out. It's almost like he knew. He knew Michael wasn't going to be there when he looked over. And now you're getting the different locations with Michael's breathing over it. And it's really just it, it's just a great ending. It really is. We'll let it play out here. Yeah. The breathing over the scenes was such a good choice. And now, obviously, title card Halloween. Um, We're going to stop the movie right here. All right, guys. Um, That was Halloween. That was John Carpenter's Halloween. It's one of my favorite Movies of all time. It's my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, again, the way the movie ends with the "Where is Michael? Is he still out there? Is this supernatural? Is is this just a human being?" You know, I like some of the sequels to Halloween. I like Halloween too, and like I said, I like four. And even though I, you know, and I, I will say, if I had to pick my own personal timeline, it would be Halloween to halloween uh, 2018 to kills to we'll see how he ends shakes out uh as far as sequels just because and we'll get into this later when i do 2018 and kills but with halloween 2 i don't really love the whole sister storyline brother sister storyline uh specifically because i think it takes a little bit away from the character of michael myers and it sort of gives him a little bit of a motive and i don't love that even though the movie is pretty good halloween 2 is pretty good uh it's again again it's another good john carpenter movie um but i just if we're being honest the way this movie ends it's just sort of a perfect one-off story you didn't need a sequel just the that that whole ending where you just you don't know it's it's theater of the mind it's imagination it's what happened where did he go Again, is he supernatural? Is he, is he human? Is he you know? It's just one of those types of endings where you just don't need all the answers, and so it's perfect in its own way. Again, I don't mind the way Halloween kills and Halloween twenty eighteen explains it. The ending of the movie uh, it doesn't really explain it so much as it's just he gets caught, you know, later on. Um, and put in a institution, um, until 2018, but, um, yeah, it, it's just, this is a, it's a really good standalone movie if you just want to look at it from that point of view. Um, never really needed a sequel and, you know, I, again, I appreciate that there are sequels. I think some of them went down pretty bad roads, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm, 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 I really love a good movie that you can just watch by itself. And it's really just perfect in its own way by itself. You don't need anything else. Um, and I can appreciate that. Now, f- for some of you out there, it may be totally different. But uh, that's just my opinion on it. Uh, if they make 20 more Halloween sequels, I'll go watch every one of them and give my opinion on them. But, um, you know... And again, that's not to say I'm not a fan. I'm very excited. I uh, I'm very excited for Halloween Ends. Very excited for it. Um, but again, this movie sort of in itself in, in itself is such a great story. Um, so that was Halloween, guys. Um, I'm going to cover, like I said, twenty eighteen and Halloween Kills and uh eventually I'll cover the new movie when it comes out. And we may do some more horror movies when it gets closer to October or in October. Um I've got like I said, I've got a review of Top Gun Maverick that's about to come out. Um, as well as I'm gonna cover the original Top Gun and then after that we'll sort of we'll sort of see what's gonna come next. But um we're on uh instagram we're on twitter we're on facebook ticket stubs and cassette tapes you can find us there you'll see our logo um just you know hey give us a, a follow like subscribe whatever uh make sure to to keep up with us on whatever pot podcast platform you follow um and keep up with our social media page for updates i'm andy and i'm your host and i hope you've enjoyed this and we'll see you next time